0: Now, we are in a series in the book of Mark. We are immersing ourselves in Mark. So we've been challenging each other to read at least two chapters a week. Um, Many of you are doing much more. You're just like, maybe you're doing similar to what what I've been doing. It's just, as I go for a walk, walk walking the dog, I put an audio Bible on, headphones, and I'm just listening to Mark, just soaking in this eyewitness testimony of the life of Jesus we're getting to know Jesus better. Well, we're going to be taking a look at one of the themes that we see in the book of Mark, and I'd like to invite Cheryl Meter to come up and read. Um, in this case, it's two passages. It's from Mark chapter five, verses thirty-four or twenty-four through thirty-four, and Mark chapter seven, verses thirty-one to thirty-seven. Oh, you've got large print too. Oh, I, you ble- that'd bless that'd you, <laughs> good for you. And while she's doing that, while she's doing that, um, we're going to pass these around. I'd like you to take a. Basically, a piece of cloth, a piece of cloth, and then just pass pass it on to the next person so that everybody gets one. Okay. Oh, you're gonna need a microphone. Oh. Yeah. There you go. This'll this'll help. Okay.
1: Mark five twenty four through thirty four. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. Mark 7, 31 through 37. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears and then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, "Iphatha," which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. They said he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of God.
0: Thanks, Cheryl. She was desperate. Twelve years. Twelve. Years. Now, in in her younger, in her younger days, as her her monthly cycle would come around, she would do what all the women of the village would do, uh, as commanded in Leviticus chapter fifteen, that there would be seven days of uncleanliness, and so the village they had a little kind of quarantine area. Maybe, are you familiar with the concept of quarantining? Okay, they, they, <laughs> they have this little quarantine area uh, just outside the village where any of the women that were in that situation would go, and well, at least I've been told at times it would be a welcome break, <laughs> getting away from the demands of family life, the demands of a husband, demands of children, and endless meals to make. And the women would spend some time together for a few days and then when their time was over they would they would meet up with their family again. But twelve years ago. Something that's supposed to be a healthy break got horribly broken. And her days turned into weeks, turned into months, turned into years. She was known as what's called unclean. If, you, if, you're, if you're bleeding, if you have some sort of a something coming out of your body, you're considered unclean. And even somebody who brushes against you becomes unclean. For the rest of the day. And so for 12 years. She had effectively been quarantined. Can you imagine being quarantined for a long time? Kept away from your regular relationships? I know it's hard to imagine. But uh, it was pretty horrible. Horrible. Just seeing her kids from a distance. Not being able to bear any other children. Not being at family events. Not going to synagogue. Not ever being able to go in the temple. She was desperate. Everything, everything that mattered about life had been taken away from her. She'd gone to many doctors and uh, though they did the best they could. Nothing worked. She tried who knows how many ointments and treatments and essential oils and everything and nothing. And nothing changed at all. And then she heard one day that Jesus, the healer, was coming through town. Now, towns, they talk. And, well, you know, after 12 years, people sort of knew her story. She was the unclean one who lived on the outskirts of town. But she thought, just maybe, just maybe, if I can just, I, I, I won't even ask him, but I'll just touch his clothes. I'll just touch his clothes. And, and then maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe I'll be healed. Now she knew that if in, if in the crowd they spotted her, people, people, I mean, she'd be called out. I mean, for her to even brush against somebody would make them unclean. She should not be in the crowd, she should not be in the village. But what else do you do? Imagine she took the, the head covering that she would normally wear and just kind of put it way over, kind of like a hoodie, just way, way over her head so that it was hard to see her face. And she'd be just looking down at the ground and just kind of moving along with the crowd, waiting for, and you, maybe you've seen it when you've ever been in a large crowd, there's just that little gap where you can kind of step forward hoping that people don't brush against her, hoping that nobody notices her. And even the whole time, I'm just imagining her praying these two prayers. One, God, please let me get to Jesus. God, please let me get to Jesus. God, please let me get to Jesus. And God, please don't let anybody see me. Please don't let anybody see me. Please don't let anybody see me she's making her way through the crowd and there he is and there's this little opening and she steps forward into that little opening and then there's another little opening she steps forward into that little opening and the crowd is moving along and she's going along with the crowd and she's trying not to bump anybody and there's this little opening and she gets closer and she gets closer and she gets closer and then there's her chance and she reaches out and hoping that nobody sees she touches his clothes and in that moment it's like a jolt of electricity flies through her she knows something has happened she's just thinking i got to get out of here i got to get out of here now she starts to back away hoping hoping that now that now that she's received whatever she needs to receive she can nobody's going to see her but but her, it doesn't go as planned and jesus says who touched my clothes of course, he's surrounded by people, hundreds of people. Everybody's brushing up against him. His disciples, how can you say, who, who touched your clothes? <laughs> look, look there's, there's hundreds of people here. Everybody has touched your clothes. <laughs> and it's just then that someone in the crowd looks over and they recognize her. I would just imagine at that point in the crowd, you've got the crowd around Jesus and now there's this circle of people that have just, they've just pulled back from her. The unclean one, the one who lives on the outskirts of town. So she fesses up. She comes forward to Jesus and she tells him everything. She tells him about the 12 years. She tells him about longing to touch his clothing. And Jesus looks back at her and says something quite unexpected. See anybody in the crowd would tell her tell her don't you know that you're unclean? Don't you know that you're not supposed to be here? That's what she intended to hear. She intended for somebody to tell her off. But Jesus said something very different. Actually, let's put that verse up on the screen so we can say it together. Jesus said to her, daughter, say it with me, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so she went back home. True story number one, slightly embellished by a well-intentioned preacher. True story number two: she was also desperate. She'd come back from a doctor's visit that week, and she'd been told she was told that the lump was malignant, and that she was in stage four: cancer. And so she goes to the prayer team in her church, uh, a team that, well, it's they've been they've been praying together for people for many many years. (laughs) These are people. These are people. These are women that pray with women and men, but mostly women that are praying with boldness. They've seen God work miracles. They anoint people with oil, and things happen. They claim things in Jesus' name, and people get healed. And she goes to this group and she tells them about the, the, the totally unexpected and horrible and terrifying diagnosis she has just heard. And the group says, as you might imagine, they say, let's pray for you. So they surround her in a group of these, of, these, of these friends that she's been praying together with for years and they've seen miracles happen. They gather around her, they put their hands on her shoulder and they pray over her. They anoint her head with oil they claim it in Jesus' name. They pray and they pray and they pray, and she believes, and she trusts, and she goes back to the doctor the next week, expecting that this will be the moment that they say a miracle's happened and your, and, and your cancer is gone. And instead, they, the doctor says to says to her, "The tumor is spread." she goes back to the prayer group and they and they continue to pray for her they pray over her with boldness they anoint her with oil and she goes back to the doctor and nothing has changed it just seems to be getting worse she goes back to the prayer group and she tells them that and, and they're somewhat dismayed at the news and one of them says to her, well, maybe it's, maybe you're not really trusting the Lord because you are going to a doctor. You need to trust in the Lord for your healing. And, not, and not, not the medicine. She doesn't know what to do with that. Another comes up to her and says, well, you know, the Lord heals. He does. He heals. He heals. And we've seen it. We've seen the miracles happen maybe you're just not trusting in him enough. And another comes up to her and says, well, maybe there's sin in your life and you just need to repent of it and then you'll be healed. And she searches her heart and she's believing as best she can. And she's repented as best she knows. And a few weeks later, she died. Not only believing that her body was broken, but that her community was broken. I wanted us to talk about healing. That's the second true story with some of the details changed to protect the, uh, <laughs> the hurt. I want to talk about healing today, healing. Because see, if you've been reading the Book of Mark, and uh, I hope you have, it's, it's fantastic, by the way. <laughs> and we're getting to know Jesus, and we hear this this central message of Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. Now is the time. The kingdom of God is coming right here, right now. God's power is here. So repent and believe the good news. That's the central message of Jesus that we see throughout the book. Well, actually through all the gospels. God is closer than you think. He is more present than you think. He's more powerful than you think. Believe it. Believe it. And one of the ways that we see that expressed in the book of Mark is, is, is healing. And healing is one defining mark of God's kingdom. Not the only one, but it's a really significant one. It's the reason, one of the, the main reasons why Jesus drew so many crowds. Because the truth is, just about everybody on some level is desperate. We've all got things in our life that we want to see healed, and things in the lives of our loved ones that we want to see healed. But there is a, um, there's a misunderstanding about healing that often creeps well intentioned into the church. And so I wanted us to talk about that today. Because you see, all of us, and here, here's how I think it comes in, is that all of us, uh, we long to understand things. And on some level, we kind of long to control things. Let me give you an example, a uh, little illustration. So, uh, uh, a couple of mondays ago we we, we had some a couple of families over to our house for dinner and there was so six adults and six kids all under the age of seven. Oh yeah, it was a riot in a fun fun way um super super fun now so on the center on the center of our table we uh, we had a number of of candles there and and believe it or not, these are not real candles these are well these are they're electric candles. Not, I don't know, can you see can you see this lit up? Can we pull a camera shot in enough that you can kind of see? See this. There we go. Lit up. And oh boy, it's a little hard to see in the in the camera, but all right. So the camera would or the, the, the candle would light and it lit, but there's a, there's a remote control. Now it's super cool. Now this was not my finest moment, but this is what I was doing. Because, see, the, the kids, kids, are natu- kids are born scientists. They want to figure stuff out. And especially little boys. Little boys are like active scientists. And so there's a couple, these, these super cool little boys. Okay. And so this, this, is, this, this was not my finest hour, but this is what I did. I held the remote control behind my back, and I went, Whew. hang on, Whew. and it would light up then I would blow it again, and i go, and it, would, and it would turn off. And so they tried. And sometimes it would work, and sometimes it wouldn't. And, and so, so I said, you know, what you need to do is you need to hold your right leg up high in the air while you're blowing. <laughs> and of course, they all did. Now, this was not my finest hour, Okay but it was really fun and then, and eventually i you know i told him of course it was the remote control but this illustrates something that is that is that is just core to who we are as human beings we see something happening that's pretty cool like a like a flame that doesn't hurt you and you want to know how does it work how does it work as how can i make this do what i want it to do we have this innate desire to understand and control, and, and there's some really good things about that. But we can take that same desire, that the great, lovely scientific method, that the, the, the you know these five-year-old scientists are, are doing in the in the Thompsons uh, in the Thompsons dining room. And, and we, we, can, we can apply it to our theology and we can apply it to God. Now, if you've been reading along with the, the book of Mark, you see all sorts of healings, right? Lots and lots and lots of healings. Here's a, a quick little, little, I made a little summary in here. So we see... Now, sometimes healing involves touch, like the woman in the story, though she didn't ask Jesus in, a, in advance for permission, he, she just touched him and she got healed. So sometimes healing involves touch. Sometimes healing does not involve touch. Sometimes it even happens from a distance. So like remember the Syrophoenician woman who's begging Jesus for, for, for healing for, for her, a daughter, and she gets healed from a distance. Sometimes, sometimes um, people ask for healing, and they receive healing. Sometimes they don't ask for healing, and they still receive healing. Like, remember the story we heard a couple weeks back about the man with the withered hand in the synagogue? He was just there to worship, and both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, like, they record lots of detail about this healing, but one thing they never say is that this man asked for healing. Presumably because he was just there to worship in the synagogue, and he wouldn't dare ask for healing Uh, On the Sabbath. And yet, what did Jesus do? He healed him. Now, presumably Jesus didn't heal him against his will. But he didn't even specifically ask for healing. Jesus just healed him. Sometimes it's based on the faith of the person. Like in this story, Dottie, your faith has healed you. But do you remember the story that that we we read in the first week about, well, if if you're reading along in in Mark, about the guy who was lowered through the roof by his friends on a mat? He was was paralyzed. And he was lowered down in front of Jesus. And Jesus saw the faith of his friends. The faith of his friends friends, and said, son. And here's what also gets interesting. Son, your sins are forgiven. And so in this particular case, sin was linked, forgiveness of sin was linked to healing, as if maybe there was something in his past that needed to be forgiven, and that was a catalyst for his healing. So sometimes it's the person's faith, sometimes it's somebody else's faith, sometimes sin is involved, sometimes sin is not involved, sometimes um, evil spirits are involved, and sometimes they're not involved. There's a lot of variety. Uh, sometimes, like in the other story we heard today, it was uh, Jesus used spit. There's two stories of Jesus using spit to heal somebody. Somebody say, oh, that's great. <laughs> Just think how, how, how much money we could make if we marketed Jesus' spit, like a nice little, like the little flasks of Jesus' spit. You could buy them for $15.99. On Amazon.com, and the healing that you are longing for can come to your house with a, in a big sticky package. Jesus spit. So, so, here's the one big idea I want us to get our heads around as we think about healing, okay? One big idea, multiple stories for one point. Here, here it is. Let me see your eyes. There is no magic formula. All there is, is one loving Savior. It's not about a pattern. It's not about praying the right prayer in the right way, mustering up enough faith as if, you know, you get, you get your faith past a 5.6 and God's gonna answer it, but if you don't, you know, rev yourself up to at least a 5.7, you know, and it rounds up, you know, whatever it is, it's not about a magic pattern, it's not a magic formula, it's a loving Savior. Healing is found not in a pattern, let me see your eyes but in a person a person a person. Jesus heals people Jesus heals people Jesus heals people it's not how, how you prayed or whether you claimed it loud enough though none of those things are necessarily wrong it's, it's okay to anoint one another with oil, it's okay, it's good to pray with boldness it's even okay to claim it. But remember, you're not the one doing the healing. Jesus is. It's not about you and your performance and your pattern. You getting the magic formula just right, getting the secret sauce just perfectly dialed in so you can market it. It's about. Jesus, and trusting that God is good and he loves you. Do you know that? That God has good intentions for your life. It's interesting, like, um, you know, people are, I think, becoming increasingly aware of just the role of anxiety. In modern life, you know, in my work in teen ministry, um, I really, really see it in raising kids, college students. I'm really, really, really seeing it. Anxiety, anxiety. We live in a very anxious culture, and and the study after study shows that one of the one of the root causes of anxiety is when we are trying to control something that we ultimately have no control over. And so we fix our mind on something that we actually can't even do much about. Now, that's not to say that we don't have influence over things. Um, And so eating right and getting enough rest and exercise and following your doctor's instructions, those are good things. And those influence your health. They will lead to generally good things involving health. But you don't have control. We're praying about elections. I hope you are, by the way, and I hope you vote. Pray and vote godly values wherever you find it. You have influence, but we don't have control. As you you think about the people in your life that you're worried about and concerned with and their actions and their behaviors and their choices, you have influence. If you're a parent, you influence your home. You set the culture and tone of your home. If you're uh, in a work environment, especially if you're a boss of any sort, you influence the culture and the tone you influence, but you don't. You never control and yet we get so wrapped up, don't we, sometimes? Now, I'm a, I don't mean to brag, but I'm a really good worrier. Like, I am good. Can anybody relate? I, and I feel it. And that anxiety starts to creep up in me. And I, I need to remember passages like Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything, Andrew. But in everything, with prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I can't control that either. (laughs) All the weird noises being made backstage, I can't control that either. All right, it's super distracting, by the way. Super distracting. Okay, all right. (laughs) I don't know what you're just doing back there, but... You, but there's, the point is, there's so many things we just don't control. We just don't control. All we get to do, all we get to do is give it to Jesus and trust. But you know what, friends? Even though you can't control how Jesus heals, the mechanisms that he uses whether he chooses to work dramatically or not, whether he chooses to, to heal you in the way that you're hoping for or not, whether you, even though you don't have control, don't let that stop you from asking. God invites us to come to him like a, like a kid comes to a really good parent, a parent who loves them, who understands, who doesn't always say yes because no good parent ever does. But a loving parent who genuinely wants good for his kids. Because the truth is, we're all desperate. The women in the stories you heard today, they were desperate. What are you desperate for? How are you asking God to heal you? Recognize that his healing is not just physical, though that's often the things that that draw a crowd, but the emotional, the relational, the spiritual. Jesus can heal all of it. Ask him. And you're desperate. All of us have people that we are desperate to see God's healing in their lives. Maybe your children, grandchildren, the neighbor, the friend. Like you think of the friends who would be, who would be gutsy enough to rip a hole, literally rip a hole in the roof, so they can lower their friend down to Jesus. I mean, they were desperate. And if we were able to sit down and and really be honest, there's probably people in your life you are that desperate for. Oh God, would you heal them, please, please, please. Jesus, would you heal them. And the people around you, they're desperate too. Now, this is why I wanted to distribute the little pieces of cloth. I hope hope you got them. There's, whole point, there's nothing magical about the cloth. But maybe it can be a catalyst for prayer in these next moments. Jesus, I'm reaching out to touch you. Oh, Jesus, would you? Would you? Would you heal me? Would you heal my loved ones? Ask him. Ask him. And trust him. God is good even though you can't control him. You can't control him. You can't tell him what to do. But you can ask. So ask. You don't have to understand it to trust it. You don't have to control it to trust it. As I'm getting older, I realize the things I control generally don't go well, anyways. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it stop you from asking. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you that you are the healer of body, mind, spirit, relationships, of finances, even of nations. Jesus, we come to you recognizing that you are the great physician, the sovereign Lord. Oh God, help me to trust you And I just invite you, friends, just under your breath. Maybe you've got that piece of cloth in your hand or or you're just like, I don't need it. That doesn't matter. But just start to lift those people up, those people that are on your heart. Just lift them up. The situations in your life, just lift them up. Lift them up, lift them up. Just spend some time with Jesus even just right now. Whatever the Holy Spirit is placing on your heart, just take a moment, just pray, God. Pray for their healing. Pray for their healing. Thank you, God, that you are good. And whether we get the healing we're looking for, Or we don't that whether in life or even in death we are in your loving hands lord we release our desire to control oh god would you increase our capacity my capacity to trust because you are good. Amen.